Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by author and founder of the Erotic Writers Group of Las Vegas, Lauren Tallman. Lauren has a real interesting bio. She has several books. She's from Lithuania. She's been arrested for protests in New York. She has also been a go-between with a Russian anti-KGB agent and an Israeli counterpoint. So we're going to be talking to her about her life. She's also lived in six cities and four countries. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is quite an opportunity. Yeah, Yeah. everything you say is right. I've lived in um, four countries, several cities, and I've lived quite a life till now. Yeah. Well, start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself. Okay, as I said, I'm born in Lithuania, went through Italy, got to the United States. I stayed in Israel for 33 years and came back to um, Las Vegas a number of years, about 15 years ago. And here I became an author after years of uh, working in international companies and uh, dealing with (laughs) mass amounts of money and the, uh, the organizations, the international organizations, which was uh, very stressful, but I loved it. I absolutely, absolutely loved it. And when I came here, I said, okay, enough. And I said, I'm going to start writing. And I did on my fourth book now. Well, talk about how you, you're from Lithuania. Talk about how you got to the U.S. Well, that's it. My parents, after the, uh, they went through the Holocaust and they were from Lithuania, and from there it was very difficult to leave. Once uh, you know, after even after the war had ended, by chance my sister was born in Italy, because they had run for their lives. My my sister was born there. When they got back to Lithuania to look for family to see if anybody was there, it was no one, no one. I just had my my parents and my sister. They were they were told they, my parents were told they couldn't leave, and my father said no. My older daughter is Italian, and. I can leave, you can't hold her. And that's what got us out. That's what got us out uh, of the country. We went through Italy where I think, I know we went through Naples. I even found a picture of the boat that we had been on. And um, it was amazing. You see our names there. We got to America, stayed in New York for a while, for quite a while, I studied there. But I had this one day, my mother received um, an envelope from, from someplace out of the country. We were used to this. We were used to getting things from all over the world. And this one struck me. And I thought, I've got to see this. And it said Israel on the stamp. And my mom said to me, what do you want for your birthday? And out of the clear blue, I said, I want to go to Israel. And she, she was flabbergasted. She really didn't know what to do. And it took me a long time to convince my family. To, and I said, yes, I'm going. And once I got there, I, I loved it. I was there for 33 years. I loved it. I went through three wars, by the way. We'd gotten there, my husband and I got there just before the, uh, the Yom Kippur War, the October War. And quite frankly, that almost, that almost flattened us. 
we were that close to being annihilated. Um, went through another war in the 80s where I didn't know where my husband was. He was up on some hill. I found that later. Thank you very much. Um, and the third one was the, um, the Gulf War. We really got slammed. We got slammed terribly with, um, with rockets. The last rocket to fall shook our building. It's, uh, I don't wish that on anybody. It's, it's a little bit hard to go through. You, all your life, you think, I almost got it, and you didn't. But it may, maybe it just makes you want more out of life. Well, tell us how you got into writing, because I know you, you were a member of a writer's group in Israel. So tell us what made you want to start writing. Yeah, over there, I found this group, and it was phenomenal just for the, the fact that everyone came from a different country. And I loved it. Everyone, they were all English speakers uh, in their own way, but their writing was so unusual. And each one had their flavor of where they came from and who they were. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll never write like that. And in the end, I was with them for years. We wrote and wrote and wrote. And the thing is, I write short stories. That's my forte. I, I write a short story and then keep on going. Well, I wrote, I started writing these short stories about this young woman, this young girl. And I wrote this to my oldest friend. She was so sweet. She called me up and she said, you've got a book, put the stories together. And that's the book that I've been holding on to for all these years. It's going to come out next year, the, the erotic tales of Remy. Remy is the, the young girl involved. And I just loved writing. I loved it. I could write about anything. I write civilian. I do write things that aren't uh, erotic. But I'm basically into erotica because erotica, you have to have a story. You must have a story. It, it has to have a beginning, middle, and end. In between it all, you put in your erotic flavors, the little bit of passion, the, the uh, sensuality, and that becomes part of the story. It only enhances the story quite a bit. And I've really found my forte in that. This was my thing, writing um, erotica. And I can do it funny. I could do it seriously. I could do it. Anyway, but that, uh, that's what happened. I, I found that this was my niche. This was my place. I love it. I love writing with erotica. And it's with erotica. It's not just erotica. Again, you have to have your story. Well, let's talk about, before we really get into that erotica, because you also have a erotica's writers group. So let's talk about, you say you were arrested in New York for protesting an intolerable situation. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I was already very um, into what was going on in Israel. Um, I, when I first realized what it, Israel was, I started to read and I thought, okay, you, do, you read one of these travel books, but you can't do that. You have to read um, political science you have to read international uh, finance, everything, it was, and the history itself. Now, here I was, I was the one protesting, and I was sitting reading the Bible, right, which no one could believe, because I used that as, as an historical base of where I was going to go, and it's true, that's, I went to all these places. In Israel, I worked in, a, in an international company, and someone said, listen, I'm going to Russia, but we're with, our company was one of the first people to walk into Russia, and he said to me, listen, I'm going to give you, I'm going to let you be my uh, connection in Russia. I said, no problem, because I was very uh, much toward the European 
way of life because of my parents and all. So it didn't bother me speaking to people. Plus I was learning Russian, it was, it was a whole thing. And one day I get this, um, this phone call and I didn't know who it was. And he said, is this you? I said, yes. And he said that the gentleman who my company had sent, he said, he's being followed by the KGB and started telling me everything that was going on. And I was writing furiously. I was writing every word that he was saying. And in the end, he said, do you hear me? And I said, yes. And he hung up. And I thought, oh, this is too much like television. This can't be true, right? And there I was, I got up, I went to someone, a connection. And I said, listen, and I read word for word what was going on. They got it through to the young man that was in Russia. Later, when he came back, he said to me, did you get scared? And I went, not scared. I said, but when someone suddenly calls you and says, listen, and then just hangs up, I said, they really, you know, it shakes you up a bit. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I could even see them following me. They weren't that great. But he had to be told, because let's face it, when you're being sent there on business, you're going to meet different people for different reasons. And it just, you know, picked up his uh, sensitivity to the fact that he was constantly being followed, constantly. So that, that, was, that, was, that was pretty much of a shakeup. That shakes you up. <laughs> It was, it was rather important. It was important that he knew. He had to know that he was being followed every moment. I'm, I'm sure his telephone was, well, no, then they, I wonder. Anyway, but that, that was it. That was pretty, uh, it shook me up. It did. Yeah, I imagine it did. Let's talk about your writer's group, the Erotica Writer's Group that you founded in 2014 in Las Vegas. Tell us what made you found that group and how it's doing. Oh, it's wonderful. When I first came here, absolutely by chance, I uh, I met with the Henderson Writers Group. Now they're they're renowned. They they are brilliant. And I would I would join it. I would go to every meeting every Monday night, hell or high water, you know, rain or shine. I went there. We I was always learning something, always learning the, and the critique was brilliant. I learned so much from them. And this went on for years. And again, always learning from them. Oh, except one day someone came up to me and said, why don't you read? And I said, well, I do erotica. And I don't know if everyone would be you know, um, in tune to that. Though they could listen to about um, the mafia, uh, sci-fi, everything else. But erotica was, always seemed a touchy subject. Well, someone turned to me and said, well, why don't you just open up your own group? And I said, okay. And I sent out an email to everybody that I knew here in Las Vegas. And I said, do you want to join? I'd like to start a group. I have a mailing list right now. Even on Zoom, we meet once a month. Even on Zoom, we have 15 people. It's amazing. And also, again, writing erotica is a story. It has to be a full story. And I'm telling you, some of these writers were so phenomenal that I said, look, today to get published is... Too, it's too hard to go into the um, what we call the old time publishing, the Simon & Schuster and Random House, all these different places. They don't take you. It's, it's too much of a problem. And you get self-published. And I said, you know what? Look, anyone who wants to, anyone who's in my group, give me a story or stories. And I'm going to put it out. I'm going to make an anthology of the Erotic Writers Group of Las Vegas, which I did. It came out just like uh, two, three weeks ago. It's called uh, Taste the Kiss, Feel the Fire. Taste the Kiss, Feel the Fire. It's on Amazon. 
And some of this is phenomenal. It's short stories or parts of um, their books. I have two stories in it, but these, these writers now are authors and that's what they should have been called. When you write and no one knows it, you're a writer. But when your name is in print, you're an author. And they all deserved it. And I'm pretty sure most of them are, are part of the uh, Henderson Writers Group as well. And I say that again because that's a, a really a prestigious uh, uh, group to be with. But I love it. I love meeting once a month and people sending me their stories or asking me questions. Once a week, once a week, I send out a tip on how to write. Whether it's how to have a boxing scene or how to different types of kisses. It could be anything. And I, I love it. I, I absolutely love that group. They're wonderful people. Now, when you say different type of kisses, that sounds like that's an acronym for something. So what does that mean? You know, I'd written a story. It was, it was accepted into an anthology. And it's about a woman who sees a man and all she thinks about is will her lips be perfect on his? And that's all she can think about. And she comes toward him and she thinks to herself, please let me be perfect. And when he does kiss her, the, the lips blend and, it's, and she said, it is perfect. She waited for that. Sometimes you have a kiss that's um, too hard or too soft or, or sometimes just perfect, turning one way or the other. There are different ways of kissing. I don't know if people really know that, but it's wonderful. It's, and everybody should try it. I think you should go through a whole list of different ways to kiss. But it's not just a kiss on the cheek or something. It's wanting to know that that kiss is going to be perfect. It's just perfect. Well, tell us about your books. Kind of give a brief description of each and tell us where we can get them. Yes, and they're all on Amazon. The first one, what started out actually was supposed to be a funny article. And I was going to write how to have an affair and not get caught. And... The more I tried to stay on one subject, which is an article, I couldn't. And I turned to my husband, and I said, I think I've got a book. And I turned, I sent a blind CC to everyone, literally everyone I knew in the world. And I said, if you were to have an affair, what would be your biggest problem? You can't imagine the things that people told me, but this was the whole base of the book. It not only tells you how to have an affair, which it's true, it does, it's how to where to park, what to wear, do not wear perfume or aftershave, all these little tricks, but it also has um, little true stories that people were very trusting and allowed me to write. Of course, no name, no, no place, but these incidents that happened to them and then writing what to do if, when that incident, incident happens. And the odd thing it's become, it's almost like a marriage book People have written to me, thank you. I forgot to be a lover to my wife. Thank you. I got my husband to look at me again. I didn't understand that this would work for people because the, the last uh, paragraph in the book says, if you're going to do all this with a stranger, do it with your spouse, do it with your partner. People forget to be lovers. So that first book is it's selling all around the world. I was so surprised that it, people in Madagascar and Pakistan, they go into, into my site, it's amazing. The other book is Harem of the Dragon. Oh, Harem of the Dragon is my baby. In short, it's about this young boy in the 1400s, Ming Dynasty, China, and he's brought to the palace, to the Forbidden City, and he's made a eunuch, but for a reason. 
he now becomes the chief eunuch of the harem. And with this, while you see his life and growing up and the people who he loves, the little girl that he finds and takes her in as a ward, the physician who helps him go through the, um, the problems of being a eunuch and teaches him what he has to teach these other women. Because what he has to do now, he's going to be chief eunuch of the, of the harem. He has to take these young girls because the emperor only wanted from 13 to 16, which is true. A lot of this is based on uh, truth. And he had to teach them how to make love to the emperor, when to touch the emperor if he allowed it, how to moan, how to move. He had to teach them without himself knowing. He had to learn this. And then through the book, you see how he teaches. And he teaches them how to uh, not be ashamed of their bodies and how they work. And quite frankly, it took a lot, a lot of research to see how they made love, to see if anything was different and different games that they played. And they did. And it's all in the book. It's wonderful, these different games. In, imagine having a certain instrument that they had then in China and the girl laying it on her lap and it's, it has strings. And as she plays with the strings, it vibrates and it brings her to orgasm. And she has to show this to the emperor. You know, th these were the things that were um, that were done. It was great research. I had a lot of fun with the research, I have to admit that. And the, the really, the book is wonderful. And I, I, I've gotten all five star ratings on it and people have written to me from all over. I'm really embarrassed <laughs> how many people have written to me praising it. But it, it, Harem of the Dragon is great. It's great. Right now, this week, I'm finishing up my own anthology of my own work, and it's called Come Again, big question mark, and it's my own short stories of erotica, and that's going to come out. That will be coming out this month. I'll be putting that out, but just as important, like I said, I, the anthology for the writer, writer, Erotic Writers Group of Las Vegas came out two weeks ago, and I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of them. That, that's good work. So right now, under my name, I've got four books um, by the end of this year. Next year, The Erotic Tales of Rennie. And I love it. I love writing. I love it. So These are all self-published, by the way. Wonderful. They're, they're self-published. You, um, you can't go through the companies anymore. It's not worth it. You don't see a penny until God knows when. And it became a process. It, it, and it has nothing to do with you. Your name that they have, that Wunderkind that they have for that month, they'll advertise you, they'll do everything, and the next month you can't even get in touch with them anymore. So the, your best bet today is just self-publishing. So you also lecture about keeping affairs secret. Oh, yes. Uh, tell us about that. And also, you you have a book about how to have an affair and not get caught. Is this something you've experienced or just something that your creative juices got flowing and you write and lecture about? Tell us about lecturing about keeping affairs secret. Okay, Curtis, I have to tell you, long ago I said I need a jar that every time someone asks me, is this personal experience or is it, or is it uh, just writing? I said, I'm gonna put a dollar in there. Today I could probably buy a house by how many times have, uh, people have asked me that. The thing is, it really, it started out as a, as a joke. You know, I was going to write an article that was funny. And then I remembered all these things that I had seen. You don't really realize what people are doing until you think about it, until it means something to you. 
and remembering seeing that someone's husband always came home late at night and wouldn't look at me as he passed. So, you know, I would think, what, you know, he can't see me? Or these different things, or seeing how someone said, yeah, I worked late, but not looking at his wife. And I thought, I wonder if my friend realizes he's, he's lying. And then putting me in a position where if she knew that I knew, I would lose my friends. She would be too embarrassed to see me. And I put out the book for one reason, to keep the family together. This is not a joke. And this is what I lecture about as well. On one hand, you must know where you're going to park. You must know, you have to have a reason to meet at that place. You meet up with, with this woman, you're, in the, you're on the other side of town. What were you doing there? What if your neighbors saw you? What if your brother saw you? What were you doing on that side of town? You have to do work. This is work. To have an affair is work. You have to plan it. You have to figure your timing. You have, you better know where there's traffic. It, this isn't a joke. I had a friend that is also in the book. She wanted to take a shortcut home. Her, her rendezvous took a little bit longer and she crossed the field. Well, sure enough, the, the tire got stuck in, in the open ground and she was stuck in the middle of a field. Luckily, workers came by in a truck. She waved them down. They pulled her car out and she got home on time. There are certain things that you have to do. So on one hand, while I say to people, people have affairs, they're all for different reasons and it's totally personal. Everyone has a reason for having an affair when they do. And, they, and honestly, through the years, I realized that they need it for whatever reason that they needed it. On the other hand, why not have an affair with the person that you fell in love with in the first place? You had an affair when you first met. You couldn't stop seeing each other. You would, you would travel a half an hour to see each other for the five minutes before they had to leave again. And yet, the minute they got married, I'll call her later. Oh, I'll see him tonight. No, doesn't go like that. And I tell them, on one hand, um, get rid of that uh, marriage license. And on the other hand, have an affair again. Have an affair. The marriage license does not mean you two don't meet again, that you don't buy the, the flimsy underwear or you kisses in the street. I kiss my husband on the street. We kiss on the street. If I, I should be in jail for how many times I've kissed my husband on the street. I love it. I love it. But people stop. And when I speak about affairs, it's not only an affair with someone else, it's also an affair with the person you're with. But more than anything, and this is stated in the book, it's got to be a secret. It's got to be a secret. You can't tell your sister, brother, hairdresser. You can't tell anybody. You tell one person, you've told the world. It's important to you to have that, that affair, and it's important enough to keep it quiet. You can't hurt your family. It, has, it really has nothing to do with your family. It has to do with you. You had a need. You fulfilled it. You're fine now. Keep going. And no one was hurt. No one was brought to tears, which would happen if you weren't listening. Well, besides your book that you got coming out, tell us about any other current or upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about. Actually, here in Las Vegas, we have a bit of a problem of where to sell our books. We can go to um, coffee shops. We have, you know, this is all set up to coffee shops and all this. And there are fairs. There's, you know, there are these book fairs, but they're so expensive. The book fair is so expensive that you know you're not going to make your money back on it. Even though you're marketing yourself, you're doing what you're supposed to do, but you have to think financially as well. 
And right now, speaking to someone where we're trying to find a place that it costs a certain amount of money a month, but we can get two authors in the morning, two authors in the afternoon on a Saturday, same thing, two in the morning, two in the afternoon on a, on a Sunday. It'll, it'll, be, it'll cost about $20 for the author to, to be there for four hours, rather than 250 in, in a fair where not even a, a lot of people didn't even show up. This way they can market themselves, they can be localized. And this is a big thing right now, because again, with COVID, people haven't been going out. We've been marketing ourselves on Facebook, Instagram, name it, name it, name it. But then you oversaturize on, the, on these sites and people don't see them anymore. But when you say, hey, I've got a place and now just put on your mask, come, I'm, I'm here with my books. Yeah, and this is, this is my real project right now to get people to be able to speak to you and give the book, sign the book and give it to you. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. How do people connect with you? Throw out your contact information, your website, social media links, so people can connect with you and keep up with your projects. I make people's lives so simple. Look up Lauren Tolman. Lauren Tolman on Amazon, Lauren Tolman on Facebook, um, laurentolman.com. Just put in Lauren Tolman, you'll find me all over. If anybody has a question, if they want to know about erotic writing, erotica, uh, anything, they can, they can write to me, lauren.tolman at gmail.com. It's open. I, I accept everything from everyone. And if they want critique, they want help, they want advice, I'm here. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful topic. Anybody who wants it, Lauren Tolman. You'll find me everywhere. Give us some final thoughts to close it out. Keep kissing. Keep kissing. Erotica is a small kiss on the cheek, feeling someone's breath on your neck, feeling someone's hand going down the front of your shirt, and then suddenly stopping, but you don't want it to stop. Erotica is so much a part of our lives and we're so busy working and our lives and get a house and get a car and what's with the kids. Our lives get, they're there, but they also get in the way. Take a moment every day, every day. Don't, don't miss out on a day. Kiss somebody on the street. Hopefully somebody you know, don't do it. <laughs> Kiss someone touch someone, have them touch you, get back in connection, feel the connection with someone else. It, it changes your whole day. It certainly changes your, your night. It changes everything. And life gets sweeter, gets calmer. It's wonderful. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, laurentalman.com. Please be sure to follow, rate, review, Share this episode to as many people as possible after listening. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you. And listeners, as she said, keep kissing. <laughs> Bye-bye. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. 
Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.